Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's the blind? I really miss our cereal conversations, Paul. Not the podcast, of course, the the breakfast meal. Uh, There's a podcast called Cereal? Yeah, it's about grains. Grains? Yeah, ancient grains specifically. Any oats? Some oats. Uh, Mostly things like like, um, kamut. Okay, yeah. I don't know what that is, so maybe I should listen to this podcast. Yeah, well, it's all about ancient grains. Right. And there's a lot of, lot of fancy ancient grains. Uh, and then you know, sometimes they find themselves in cereal. Like in the podcast cereal? Yeah, yeah, they cover them in the podcast cereal. There are not the, a, the podcast about, like, the, the one that was about the, that uh, old crime. Yeah, about the, old, the murder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they cover, they, they spend a weird amount of time in the podcast serial talking about ancient grains and cereal. Right. I think it's a way to throw people off the track. It's red herring. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. For the... I would listen to that podcast. Right? It's a good podcast idea. See, Bran's on my side. She's not, you can't really hear her because you're not near Mike, but Bran is into the podcast, which simultaneously covers an old, a whole, an old crime, but also talks about ancient grains. Yeah. I don't think I would be millet. so into that. Millet is another one. Millet. The, 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 the third season of cereal is called Millet or Murder. Yeah. Great. Great. I'm, I'm glad that we had this conversation. People should always choose Millet in that option. I don't know what that is either. I don't know. I think it's you're making up grain. all this stuff. No, they're real ancient grains. So does that mean that they're really old? Yeah. They've been around for a long time. Like the murder. But then shouldn't you, shouldn't you not eat something that's old? Like, isn't it expired? No, they're like cold cases, but for grains. So they're still, you know, they're still, you still can open them up and they're just like they were then when they were. That's the problem. But then. They're not solved. Uh, okay. I, I think I, I think I followed you on that one. Yeah. That's that milk. Milk that's been around for a while? No, no, that's fresh milk. Well, now you're just confusing things. Well, that's how you open up the case. The case, like the case of, like you have a the case murder. of milk? <laughs> exactly, the case of milk. Also, do you say milk? Uh, um, I don't, I say milk. No, you're a milker. You're a milkman. Are you making fun of the way I say? Uh, this dairy beverage? Yeah. You know, some people say milk. Some people say yogurt. How do you say your last name again? Hostetter. And doesn't your brother say something Yeah, he's a hostetter. And who's right? Me. My dad and sister agree. Therefore, I feel like I'm definitely right. I think this is a little bit unfair, though, because he's not here to defend his position. That is true. Uh, Although at the same time, uh, my dad remains the only, to my knowledge, the only only surviving hostetter. So he really gets to decide uh, how it's said. Yeah. The, um, the, but so we're do doing we a have, podcast. Yeah. Do we have to, do we, you don't have to, we're just, do we not have to intro this one, do we? No, no, because they listened to the last one. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Well, if they didn't, then this one's even more confusing. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure they saw my name and just skipped it for that week. Well, then they saw, and then they got to, and they listened to the first three minutes of this one. They're skipping it as well. So you're welcome, everybody. Um, yeah. So welcome to the uh, Stories We Don't Tell podcast. This is either part two or three of uh, Shots Fired. Yes, it's definitely not part one. Uh, and this is Paul and Stefan talking to you, in case that wasn't clear. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to be part three, but it might be part two. It depends on how we feel. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so we've decided that we actually have to listen to the stories before the shots fired. <laughs> begins. So That's right. So we can let myself uh, play us in here. myself that uh, ver- I'll introduce myself uh, by telling you that I feel like this story works better when I'm drunk uh, and since I knew I'd be going early on I, I, I drank two and a half uh, tall cans in the last like hour yeah. uh, <laughs> as a way to prepare myself to really very very well deliver this story uh, so with that to my friend The activist. It's okay to not want to do this anymore. It's okay to want to stop caring. It's okay to check out. I realized I didn't tell you this when I saw you last and I regretted it, so I'm telling you now. I'm not sure when I started identifying as an activist, but I've always known I wanted to make a difference. My first big break came when I was 21. Uh, with a long train ride up to Ottawa. Four wide-eyed kids with a camera and a carrot costume. Uh, And like, who were we to be asked, invited, to be here? I know we're not getting paid, but still, free travel? A hotel so fancy that when we got off the elevator, two old people ran back into their room because they were scared of us? This was living the life that we thought we'd never do for an organization that was truly making a difference on a national level. This was making it. And we, we had to say we were giddy would be an understatement. We had to sneak into our hotel so they wouldn't know that we were fitting four people into, two, into a two-person room uh, because then they'd charge us more. And... We stayed up late chatting about our shared beds, laughing just how lucky we felt to be there, to be a part of something. To my friend, the activist, you know who headlined that conference? You did. And at the time, I would have done anything to feel like I was succeeding in the the ways I saw you succeeding. But I'm beginning to realize that that was a foolish feeling. One of ambition, but no soul. What no one tells you is that there's a ceiling to this kind of work, where moving up the ranks becomes hollow as nothing gets done. At 22, I step out on stage. Perhaps my first time under these kind of lights. Staring out into the slowly growing audience. Thank you so much for being here. Our first event, a fundraiser, 
had drawn this crowd. And we'd called in a few favors, we'd figured out the logistics of the venue, and we were here doing something, making a difference. Except no one from the organization that we were fundraising for has shown up yet. And they never will. But the music overwhelms us, and then as the night falls, the tension in my shoulders begins to loosen up. My delusions of grandeur are dashed, but what's left is an enjoyable evening of a few hundred dollars raised. We'll dance the night away with our friends who came to support us. And despite its flaws, that evening taught me something. It showed me that the world we live in is malleable, that you truly could conjure something from nothing. I was addicted. We ran more, some more, some more successful than others, and, little, and after a little more than a year, we were even asked specifically by an established organization to run an event for them. We'd slowly become frustrated with just bringing our friends out to give us the little money that broke college students have. And so this was an opportunity to expand our impact. At 24, this was our big break. To my friend, the activist. Have you ever planned an event that you knew was going to fail? I remember asking you this question as if it might answer your, as it might be an answer to your fear. And I, I paced back and forth, helping the vendors set up, discussing timing and logistics with the speaker for the other half of the event that I'd so cleverly looped in to this one. More exposure for both, I'd figured. I'd spent the last few months working on this, trying to find a space with limited budget, negotiating the bureaucracy of U of T's AV and alcohol policies, calling in favors with the musicians. We devoted ourselves to this project. I had thought I had done everything right. I spent the last week knowing that no one was going to show up. Winds howled around the building, pushing the snowflakes up against the windows. This was going to fail snowstorm or no snowstorm. So perhaps the blizzard was the world's kindness in allowing me to tell myself that this was the weather that was really the problem. There were two, maybe three students working in the space as we set up. At first, I was annoyed that they would be there without purchasing a ticket, but eventually I was just happy to have the extra bodies even if they didn't pay attention. One guy, and I kid you not, sat headphones in playing video games throughout the entire setup, speeches, music, and teardown. I still counted him when I reported how many people showed up. The event started and I knew I had to hit an alcohol sales limit and so I bought a drink and then another. And I spent the entire evening sick to my stomach with shame. Shame that I wasn't going to raise the money that I'd promised. Shame that no one came. Shame that I'd failed. I'd, to I'd told the organization that while I could put together an event, they would have to draw the audience, and yet still the shame. I'd tried and tried and tried, 
instill the shame. I went into hiding. I have a terrible tendency uh, to run from my own failure. It's like when I fail, I think that if I just don't think about it for long enough, it will stop existing. I won't have to sit in the embarrassment. I can avoid ever doing it again. I know this is counterproductive, but I still to this day see myself doing it. I hold myself to a standard where any failure is an indication that that I am not who I think I am. That one failure is indicative of, future, of a future trend of consistent and unrelenting failure. And so I hide. At 25, I thought I'd found my vindication. But what you don't learn at any conference is that vindication is an ever-moving goalpost. That's what you taught me with your fear. As we sat relaxed in our comfortable patio chairs, raised above our dear, dear city. That even on a night as beautiful as this, as warm and as filled with love, the existential dread still lingers. My vindication was to come with a roar. A roar that began miles ahead of us. Nearly 400,000 people stood in silence, doing the nearly unthinkable. We brought peace and quiet to Manhattan streets for one fleeting minute. I stood looking ahead to all of the hands raised in the air to honor those lost to climate change. A helicopter flies above as the only sound that breaks the silence. Months and months brought us to this place. Late nights, accommodation arrangements, scheduling, constant promotion in five buses led by volunteers, all got us here. And as we began to hear the faint whispers from far, far ahead of the alarm we were going to sound with our voices, I stood in my blue shirt that indicated I'd been a part of the team that got us here. This shirt was my validation. And the roar of our collective voices swept through the streets, thundering off the windows of skyscrapers beside us and engulfed us in its cheer. We hear you. Our collective call to the world, to those suffering for our excess, we hear you and we're trying. But that's just it, isn't it? We're trying isn't enough. We're trying is a cop-out. We're trying is the voice of the feeble, unable to help but unwilling to take responsibility. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying. So to my friend, the activist, I'm sorry. As I half-tripped onto the night bus that was to shepherd me back into the core, I realized I hadn't said what I should have said. I hadn't done what I should have done. I failed, but I'll try not to hide from it this time. I'll try. Welcome back to the speed round. Thank you, Stefan, for um, your story. It was wonderful. Yeah, thank you for having me. So this is uh, Shots Fired. 
parts wo- two or three. Yes. Maybe f- part four. I don't know. That'd be that'd be impressive us to go find a whole new person to to rope, to rope into this. But yeah, you know, I'm not going to say ne- never say never. Yeah. Um, so I've got five questions for you. Hit me. Uh, you've got your buzzer ready. I do. Even though there's no one else playing the game. Yes, I will answer these questions before the no one. Right. Um, okay, so question number one. What's the feeling? I think the feeling uh, in this story uh, was despair. despair. I think the feeling was despair, yeah. Shame. Uh, well, not so much. So, so, so the shame ended up, I, I mentioned shame a bunch in the, in the actual <laughs> the story. story, of course. Uh, and of course, there's the, there's the piece of this where, uh, so just for everyone's context, there's, I, I don't know if you can hear it in the story, uh, but when I start talking about the shame part, my brother, who's in the audience, just starts laughing. And he just laughs the entire time. Uh, and I thought it's because he remembered actually that moment and like he like like that that whole event that was so bad. But no, afterwards he just came up to me and said, "I just like laughing at your shame." That was that was his whole reason for laughing, uh, which made it harder to make that part land. To be honest, it was a harder piece to make that that land. But because it wasn't intentionally supposed to be. No, funny. it's not funny. It's not funny. Uh, it's and I think people like figured that. Maybe Dave knew something that I that everyone that they didn't, and that it could be funny, but it's not funny. Um, but anyways, so I think that what what led me to write the story, which I think is also why you know, answering the question, uh, why uh, what's the feeling, uh, was actually this conversation I had with a, with a friend of mine, where it really became it was interesting talking to her because it became clear that there's this like this level of when you're working on something so big like you know like like climate change, um, you and you. You, and you let yourself get feel like get wrapped up to it, and let yourself feel like you're responsible for its success, um, and it doesn't go anywhere because it never goes anywhere. Uh, it begins to eat at you. It really begins to eat at you, and begins to be like, and, and then if you, especially if you start identifying with the failures, and, start, and you start worrying, and you start worrying about the failures, and you start feeling responsible for failures, it's just like, it's this, it's this circle of spiral, I guess, of downwards, of of of, of despair, mm-hmm. uh, because you're like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I'm not succeeding. Um, am I, you know, then you get the questions, am I trying hard enough? Am I trying smart enough? What am I doing wrong? Um, you know, even when you're, and even the, when the victories feel hollow, cause you don't get, cause you know, there, cause I say even the thing is an ever, ever moving goalpost. Um, and so I was trying to capture all of that. Uh, and, and, and that was the feeling. All right. So, uh, I'll take, why should anyone care for 500, Alex? Uh, people should People, maybe they shouldn't care. I don't know. Uh, I, I think actually, in, in in reference to 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 the one when you, when you were saying that you were trying to like give a shout out to all the people out there who are uh, who are you know who are who are single. Uh, this was trying to give a shout out to or validate the feelings of all the people out there who are sort of working on a similar type of thing, or are feeling the similar type of despair and discouragement. Uh, because and it'd be like, uh, just be like, it's okay. We can we hear you basically. Um, or, or we're trying, like, you know, to, to validate that feeling of, of despair. Because I think that's part of it also. Part of it is that people start feeling that way and then don't, then no one tells them it's okay. And so they, and so they try to hide it and so they don't get any help. And then it's this sort of ongoing moment, momentum of, of sadness and of, 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 of isolation. Right. Uh, and I was trying to sort of break through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you don't feel that, then the other side is why you care is it gives you insight into what it sort of feels like to be working on things like this. Ah, that's very interesting. 
Yeah. I like to think so. So how did it change for you? I'm trying to make these sound naturalistic. Right, like I'm yeah, just yeah. thinking of them off the top right, of my head. Right, not just reading them off a blackboard behind my head. Um, no. No, of course not. Uh, how did it change for me? It didn't change too much, actually. Like uh, over the course of the of the, of writing. the writing process? Yeah, it was, it was pretty similar from how I started. Uh, there were a couple things where... I, it became clear that like like f- not stylistically I needed to change like I, I tried to make it more obvious that how the time was passing uh, Brianne suggested that I try to tie in that last uh, stronger that last event with the with the sort of overarching end feeling of the piece mm-hmm. and interesting that last event d- d- was the thing that people kept talking to me about that was the piece afterwards that, that's the part of it that stuck with people that, that last event that failed mm-hmm. uh, and people were like interested in all the, that was what they were interested in which, is inter- which I wasn't fully expecting um, so I guess those little pieces changed, but because it was, uh, it was really a, a, like, it was one of the ones, because there wasn't too much stylistic requirement of it, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to get something to work. It was more just like, this is, this is something that's been eating at me. Um, and because of the fact that like all this sort of kind of, you know, terribleness that exists in the world right now has been feeding the sort of same sort of despair feeling, it was an easy sort of piece to get out. Because uh, I was like, this is how I feel, and this is why I feel that way. Mm-hmm. So it didn't change too much. Well, speaking of change, right? Uh, I was just curious. Um, you know, now that the event is over, you've had a few days to kind of regroup. What would you change now? Ah, excellent question, Paul. Thank you. You really did make it seem like you're thinking about it. That was well done. Um, the uh, I would have my brother not be laughing about the fucking thing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I would have my brother not be there. No, he can be there. He just can't laugh at that. Like it, it, Did it, it throw you off? Yeah, it threw me off. And it's a part where like, style, when I'm speaking, when I'm having to talk about it, you, I, needed the, I needed the audience to, to feel it. that. I needed right. the, and again, they, like it still worked. People liked it. But like it, I would not have uh, Dave laughing when I was trying to, to get that piece of land. You know what? I would say Dave... If you're out there listening, that sounds like shot, some shots fired. Yeah. Any other questions, Paul? No, I I, uh, I think you've answered them all. I think uh, just, you know, all the things that I was curious about asking you. And, um, yeah, I think I'm good. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. I don't make it sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I This I, is your I, podcast, too. I know, but it, it just sounds like the right thing to say. You can find us online at thereapers.org because we're in the life-collecting business. You can like us at facebook.com slash stories we don't tell podcast. If you want to help us out, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks to Rayana for the theme music to this podcast. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rayana.ca. This episode of Stories We Don't Tell is sponsored by Dave. Is he a hostetter or a hostetter?